Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, welcome to episode 14 of the Two Pad Stack. I'm Ace. I'm your host here at the Two Pad Stack. And I have Burge with me again, once again. How's it going today, Burge? Oh, it's going great. You know, nice weekend off for once for me. And, uh, well, not hockey related, but my Patriots decided to show up to play against my most hated team. So it was a very, very good day. Very good day. How you doing? Finally, they showed up. Uh, it was good, dude. Good, good. Yeah, nice weekend. Uh, ready to uh, jump right into another work week here tomorrow. Um, yeah, so today's episode is brought to you by our partners over at Primetime Productions, as is uh, tradition. Uh, additionally, uh, today's episode is sponsored by our friends over at SeatGeek. If you're looking for a ticket to a local event in town, sports music whatever you got going on check out seat geek and use their promo code two pad stack pod that is the number two pad stack p-a-d-s-t-a-c-k pod p-o-d and you can save twenty dollars off your first purchase on the app let's go so had a little bit of fun stuff going on in regards to the bruins this week um they are really messing with our ability to get a full night's sleep um (laughs) big 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 uh proponent of uh making it illegal for bruins to play 10 p.m and 10 30 p.m start times what are your thoughts on that bruce i mean i get why they have to do it we have three time zones across this continent that we have to deal with and then if you want to count the guys in Canada, the Atlantic time zone up in Nova Scotia, shout out bird. One of our good listeners there on Twitter um, lives in the Atlantic time zone. Brutal for him. Imagine that game starting at 1130 PM ace. That's a hard no. Exactly. So, I mean, I get why they have to do it. I hate that they have to do it. I like that. They kind of, they have to bulk them together. It makes sense travel wise and for, viewing wise that they just group them together get them out of the way i like that they're getting this out of the way like in like the first couple of weeks of the season i don't think they have another 10 p.m start until january which is a good sign for all of us in our sleep patterns i was not one that stayed up to watch the games this weekend i have a 6 a.m start time at work so that doesn't exactly jive well and my kids getting up in the middle of the night mixed with that mixed with work. I'd be like, I wouldn't even be able to be here recording the pod tonight. If I stayed up and watched those games, I'd be in bed at, I would have been in bed three hours ago. Let's be honest, <laughs> but yeah, I, I get why they have to do it. They got to please everybody. And it's luckily it's a short, you know, they only have, you know, what two of these trips, maybe three over the course of the entire season. So welcome together, get them out of the way and let's get back to normal time hockey. Yeah, I uh, I've struggled through the first two periods, and shout out to other people that I know um, in the Bruins Twitter sphere that stay up and live tweet it and provide their analysis. I, you know, even going back to when I was a kid, I I was not one of those kids. Even when I was like in the middle of like a video game, I loved playing. I could not be one of those kids that just stayed up and did all nighters and shit. Like nine thirty p.m., ten o'clock hits. My body's like, all right, all right, Gramps, it's time to call it. Like, your eyes are getting heavy. You can't do it anymore. Like, you better go hit the hay. And I am more than happy to oblige. You know, I'm just like, <laughs> you yeah, know, fuck it, right? I like sleep, dude. I'm down for it. 
So, yeah, I watched the first two periods of the uh, previous two games. It helped last night. I got home from the brewery after working around 10. So I still was like a little wired because I still had, I I, like cleaned up. And, you know, when you work hard and your shift's done, it's not like you're ready to just crawl into bed. You don't shut down immediately. No way. Yeah. Yeah. You got to kind of just decompress a little bit. And uh, I was able to do that, watch some hockey and, that LA game that was a that was a lot of fun to watch actually. Uh, so I'm sure you know if you're listening, you're probably a big Bruins fan. You know that they uh, they beat the San Jose Sharks. You know that they beat the LA Kings. Um, as we are recording tonight, the Bruins are going into the third period, so we're not going to have a whole lot of analysis on the Ducks game. But uh, yeah, I mean, so far so good. I remember probably like five years ago when the bees would go on this west coast california trip it would be like an absolute bloodbath gauntlet like if you were able to get two out of three of Mm -hmm. these games in the win column like that was a successful road trip when you came out here not so much anymore i mean la is better now but you know san jose and anaheim these guys are exactly you know lottery supremacy those those teams aren't what they used to be during, you know, five years ago, you know, the San Jose Sharks are long past the eras of, you know, having Joe Pavelski, Joe Thornton, Patrick Marlowe back there playing. So they're, they're no longer a team that is, they're, they're definitely a team in transition. We'll call it that they're, they're rebuilding. The Ducks have have been rebuilding. It seems like for the last five years, I mean, they have a lot of young talent now. So I think that they're getting closer, but there's still a team that's kind of going through that transition. And yeah, I agree. I agree with you. It seemed like that they would always go through those West coast teams. I mean, back when Vancouver was doing, doing well too, when they'd go on that West coast, Canada trip, Winnipeg, Edmonton, Calgary, you know, they, they, there always seems to be times where they, you know, would go on the road like this and, and struggle. And like you said, you come out with two, three wins out of four, you're, you're, you're jump, doing jumping jacks, celebrating in your, you know, in your living room that that happens. Just a quick side note: I just looked at the Bruins' schedule. It looks like they only have three more ten o'clock games the rest of the season. Praise be. The, that is unbelievable. And you know, I'm a third shift worker. I've done it. I don't do it currently, but I've done it. So I have done the all nighters for work. So I have been able to stay up and be able to watch these games. But that was back when I was like 22, 23, 24 years old, mid 30s guy ain't going to do it. It's I can't do it. Not with the kids, everything. I can't do it. So I'm very thankful that there's only three more 10 o'clock games on the schedule the rest of the season. I'm sorry, 10 o'clock games on the schedule for the rest of the season. So that's got to be Seattle. That's got to be Vancouver and probably what, Vegas? It's Seattle, Vegas, and Edmonton. Edmonton is a 10 p.m. They're mountain time. Uh, Calgary's a 9 p.m. I don't can 9 p.m. I can live with 9 p.m. Yeah, I can live fun, with that. Whatever. You know, you're in bed before midnight. So. I mean, these two games that they played uh in uh LA and in San Jose, I mean they weren't even just 10 p.m. They were 10 30 starts. <laughs> like just to exacerbate it even more, they're just gonna be like, Yeah, what's an extra half hour? All those East Coasters <laughs> are gonna be asleep anyways. So Let's make it convenient so everybody can get through the California traffic and get into the get into the arenas. So I want to touch on I, I know we're a Bruins podcast here primarily, but um, just just want to mention the whole San Jose Sharks and how they've been 
uh, a rebuilding team and drastically different. And it, it obviously was abundantly clear to the Sharks ownership that what they were doing to rebuild that team wasn't working. And they just recently made a change over there. Uh, they brought in a new GM and Mike Greer, who I BU. believe. Yeah, yeah. BU product, Mike Greer. We'll have some more college hockey talk later. Don't worry. But uh, he uh, he's really done a big overhaul on that San Jose Sharks team. I mean, somehow he got out from that Eric Carlson contract that they had signed. And uh, mm-hmm. yeah, I saw an infographic on the Nesson broadcast. Like even on the team last year to this year, there's only like three skaters that were on the roster last year that are still on the team over in uh over in san jose so apparently the the rebuild wasn't as going uh going as well as they had hoped so far and uh yeah made a lot of sweeping changes yeah it seems like that's the kind of team that they they haven't found it even when marlo and thornton were there they were they were labeled as like the chokers of the uh of the playoffs so even when they were really good they didn't have like that it factor that big piece you know that, that just made it all jive they I, they were due for a rebuild before those guys kind of aged out, in my opinion. I mean, I think they made the did they? I think they made the the Stanley Cup Finals once, and even if they did, I think it was they got their doors blown off. But they were always a team that was top of the Western Conference and would end up massively underachieving in the playoffs. It was like you just went every year. Like when when are they? When Joe Thornton going to choke? When's Patrick Marlowe going to choke? And, you know, they went through the rebuild. They brought Carlson in. You know, they, they've shipped a lot of pieces around, it feels like, in the last five or so years. You know, Brent Burns going out. You had, you know, the two two guys, Thornton and Marlowe, moving on. You had um, Joe Pavelski moving on. It just seems like they're they're – they're in a constant state of needing a rebuild. If you, even if you look back to when they were successful, at least in my opinion. Yeah. They, uh, they went to the cup final in 2016. Yeah. I remember that one. They lost to the the penguins in six. I was all aboard the St. Louis blues train that year and they knocked them out. That was before that was before 2019. I was a big fan of David Backus and Troy Brower at the time. And I was like, let's go, go, my wife and I, the Bruins, I think that was one of their, their years that they missed the playoffs when they were going through their little bit of a transition. And we were like, let's go. And we, were, we we started watching the Blues from the beginning of that playoffs, and we ran with it. And then it got all the way to the conference finals, and, of course, they had to lose to San Jose and Joe Thornton. And then, of course, oh, who wins the Stanley Cup? Oh, Sidney Crosby. Great. Awesome. Cool. Yeah, I, I remember when the Penguins went on that run, and I was like, "I'm so fucking tired of the Penguins." Like, <laughs> exactly. It was just Penguins, Penguins, Penguins. But yeah, I yeah. mean, seeing you know, seeing what the Sharks are going through right now, I mean, they're. I mean, I'm, I'm just, I don't, I don't follow the team closely. I'm looking at their roster right now. They definitely have a lot of pieces that are like oh, these guys are like NHL players. Like I haven't even heard of. <laughs> of, of all these guys i mean i'm guessing the the guys that you were talking about were mark edward vlasic uh thomas hurdle and yep. uh who else uh kevin lebanc maybe but yeah, like that's really it that's it 
And even then, they just tried to waive Kevin LeBanc, and his agent was like, you're not going to waive Kevin. That's not going to happen. And then Mike Greer's like, well, fuck it. I guess I'm not going to waive Kevin. Like, <laughs> like, I don't know what happened there. You had uh, uh, Frank Saravalli who came out and was like, yeah, by the way, Sharks are going to waive Kevin LeBanc. And then, like twenty minutes later, he's like, "Well, yeah, they told he was told him that he was going to be waived, and now he's not going to." So they've obviously had a change of heart. So who knows what the fuck's going on over there? I mean, they've definitely had a turnover in net too. I mean, you got Mackenzie Blackwood and Capo Kakinen over there. Capo Kakinen was there last year. He was a pretty pretty good prospect when he was with Minnesota. So, I mean, he obviously hasn't found his stride yet with with San Jose and. Blackwood's a little bit of a cast off from the Devils, so we'll see if one of them can can kind of put something together and kind of take that next step. It'll be interesting, and then it was a good test. I think I think the LA Kings game was a uh, the first real good level of competition for the Bees against a real legit team, and uh, I thought they actually held themselves pretty well. Um, the uh, the the bees found themselves shorthanded right off the bat in that game, and uh, not just not just five on four. Sorry, I just like drank too much Dr Pepper. It's like bothering me. <laughs> um, yeah, they found themselves not just five on four shorthanded there. They uh, they ended up going five on three, and Jeremy Swayman got the nod in this game. And I actually thought he was probably one of my players of the game there for the Bruins and. He uh, he stood really tall there on the shorthanded situation. He had a lot of really high caliber chances against him, five on five as well. And yeah, he looked uh, just as competent as our uh, reigning Vezina winner uh, in net does. And it'll be interesting to see how the Bruins continue to manage the uh, the goaltending tandem. Yeah, I I think that if if this trend continues and both of these goalies keep playing kind of this kind of elite style of hockey. They're going to have to make a decision, man, because you can't have two of your best players with one of them sitting on the bench every night. You know what I mean? Like, I get the whole tandem argument behind this whole thing, but I mean, I'm again, I didn't see this game. I didn't stay up. I didn't watch the game, but I'm just kind of looking at at the numbers. The Bruins were like pretty badly outshot in this game against L.A. They were they were outshot uh, 34 to 25. Bruins win the game 4-2. Um, again, if, if Swayman continues to play like this and then Omar doesn't kind of show any kind of, you know, cracks in his game, then who knows what are they, they're going to have to make a decision. And I know, I know we kind of have differing viewpoints on this and I may be in the minority where I'm saying break up the tandem because I hate the goalie hug. I'm just kidding. That's not the only reason I want to break it up, but I do hate the goalie hug. Um, they're going to have to, they're going to have to make a decision. And I hate the, the idea of putting one of my best assets on the bench every night. Yeah. Yeah. I get that. Um, I mean, how would you feel if you had a backup quarterback better than Mac Jones, but you kept having to bench them in favor of Mac Jones, right? I mean, it's kind of the same, kind of the same thing, but I mean, it's not, because in an NFL situation, you're playing the same guy every week, every game for a full game. You're not like doing a kind of rotation. You don't need to give a guy rest because they only play 17 games a year. 
it's it's a little bit different. But if this team and they will at some point show some kind of cracks in their lineup, you're gonna you're gonna start seeing some weakness. I, this team is not what they were last year. They're off to an unbelievable start this year, without a doubt. But they're not the same team. There's gonna be a period of time where some of these guys who may you may consider are overachieving are gonna kind of come back down to earth a little bit, and you may see an opportunity where you you can improve your lineup for now and the future. And I think that using one of those assets that you're putting on the bench every night to fill that need is a good is a, is good roster management. Yeah, sure, but then who do you tap on the shoulder, Brandon Bussey? Maybe in the trade you get a you get a veteran backup back. A guy I don't want a veteran backup in that. They're all garbage. I don't. I don't know if I agree with that. I mean, if you need a guy that's going to go out there and play once every three and once every four nights that can get you just to just to give you a guy a rest. I'm all for that. Doesn't need to be an elite, an elite style goaltender. I mean, Brandon Bussey, maybe, maybe he's ready. Maybe they decide he's ready and they say, go, go kids. Let's see what you got. I mean, there'll be some growing pains there, obviously, but that, that, that can't be worse than having somebody like fucking Brian Elliott in that, or, you know, Keith Kincaid or some other piece of garbage. I mean, I take Brian Elliott. I mean, again, you're out, you're actually you're asking Ugh. him to go out there and play once every like four, three, four, five nights. Go out there, give the team a chance to win. The team can put the team on their back again. Your team, your your you know your your lineup in the game is going to be better because you're going to use that asset to make your lineup better. It'll be interesting. I, I I don't I don't think it would result in immediate improvement of the lineup nobody the market isn't there to to return an asset that would be able to step in and contribute immediately at the level that the Bruins would need it would be futures it would be a prospect that they give up on or a draft pick at this point right yeah I mean that's that's definitely something to consider if that's all you're getting in return and you view this team as a team that is a cup contender yeah you hang on to both of them and you make the decision in the off season. Absolutely. Right. Absolutely. Don't make a trade to make a trade is, you know, basically the gist of the argument that you're making there. And I agree with that. Don't make a trade to make a trade. If an opportunity presents itself to bring in a veteran type player from a team that's rebuilding and you have to give up a young goaltender to get them. Maybe you make that decision, but again, it, it yeah. all hinges on the two of them continuing to play like they've they've been playing at the beginning of the season. I still Agreed. believe that I still believe that one of them is going to crack a little bit and you're going to see one of these guys hopefully sees more of that one type type role. Yeah. Yeah, I can see that as well. Um rookie update, Matt Potra is still with the club. He is uh playing in Anaheim as we speak right now. Uh had some uh a little bit of a hiccup there mm-hmm. against the uh against the Sharks, I believe. Um, but I thought he actually rebounded quite well against the Kings. He uh, had a few beautiful shifts where he was, uh, you know, pos- possessing the puck, protecting the puck, making plays. He was actually robbed of a point in that L.A. game where the puck ended up deflecting off Lucic's leg. And uh, Lucic got the secondary assist instead of Patra. But... Um, so far, so good from the kid. As far as I'm concerned, uh, I think I think he deserves the spot past the nine game mark. Um, I don't think it it makes sense to send him back to the OHL 
I don't think he's going to learn anything at that level. What do you think? No, I, I agree with you. I think he's, he's, he's proven that he belongs at least at the NHL level, whether it's an every night type kind of role is still to be seen. Obviously we only have a four game sample size. I don't think he's done anything to play himself back to juniors at this point. I think he's done enough to, to be on this team and to move forward and make it worth maybe burning that ELC year, even if he's going to spend some time upstairs at some point during the season. I think him practicing with the big club, playing most nights is going to be more beneficial to his development than sending him back to the OHL where he's just going to dominate like, like, like he's, he had been doing before. So I, I, I haven't seen anything. And again, I missed the games this weekend, but like nothing has stuck out to me to be like, Hey, this kid needs to go back to juniors for a little bit more work. Obviously he can't go to the AHL at his age. So we know that, but I, I, I haven't seen anything and I don't think signing, you know, you know, seeing Patrick Brown playing out there more or signing Danton Heinen to take those minutes away on a regular basis are going to do anything to make this team better. Do you? Nah, I mean, I, I think it's better. I mean, anytime you can prioritize the development and improvement of your own in-house assets, that's not a bad thing, right? As long as it's not coming at the cost of production in regards to points. Like if he's, you, you can't prioritize the development of a player if it's actively sabotaging your on ice efficiency um right now matt potra the mistakes he's making are not so costly where it's resulting in points being removed from the standings total um in fact i don't even think i've seen a whole lot of glaring mistakes that even resulted in a goal against us so um so far so good i think that uh the bees are better suited to have him in the lineup I think that they should bounce him up and down the lineup based on how he's performing. You know, if he's doing well, keep him on the second line. If he's doing poorly, keep him on the third line. I don't want to see him in a fourth line role. You know, I think that John Beecher has that role locked down and we'll talk about John Beecher in a little bit. Um, He's been very sharp there, but uh, I, I just think it needs to be handled on a very situational basis. Like, even if like the Bruins are up for nothing, I want to see Patra in a PK role. If we go shorthanded, I want to see him on PP two. Like there's no reason to give this kid every opportunity to prove that he's an NHL player. So, uh, so I, far so good. I agree. I agree with you hundred percent. Yeah. You can shuffle him up and down the lineup. Fine. But that's, that's all part of becoming a pro is you're going to get bounced around the lineup on a regular basis until you kind of find your real niche, like spot in the lineup and he he hasn't done anything to warrant a demotion as we speak today. Yeah, I agree. Uh, John Beecher maintains his role as a uh, fourth line center. Um, I think he's done a marvelous job in that role. I think he brings a lot to that, that, uh, that lineup there, he, he's a really skilled skater, and that really stands out when you watch his game. He is absolutely flying out there on the ice. He's winning important defensive zone faceoffs. Um, he, he's exactly what you want in a fourth line center, and I think he's got some offensive upside that hasn't been touched yet. 
No, I agree with that with the with the offensive upside, and you kind of want that kind of out of your fourth line role. You want it to be defense first, with you know a chance to make some plays if you give if you're given the opportunity. And he's done. He's been he's been great. I mean, I saw you know early on before this road trip. I mean, he's out there dropping the gloves, and that's what that's the kind of thing you want out of your fourth line center. You want somebody playing with grit, solid defensively, and have the ability to make a play if that play presents itself and i think he's fit in perfectly you you were on top of that calling that back in the you know preseason <laughs> training camp that fourth line yeah and i think i think he's living up to expectations to fill that role yeah speaking of that fourth line i'm interested to hear what what happened um milan lucic is not playing in this uh anaheim game tonight on the 22nd and uh i believe I heard some reports from some of the uh, some of the beat writers that apparently he took a shot off the foot in the game against LA from Derek Forward. So uh, yeah, Lucic went out, did his warm up spin in the uh, warm ups against Anaheim tonight. Uh, did one rotation around the ice, and then he went right back to the room. Um, yeah, I guess uh, Patrick Brown was supposed to draw out of the lineup. But uh, because Lucic wasn't good to go, uh, he maintained his spot in the uh, in the, the twelve forward role. So we'll keep an eye on that. Um, hopefully, Luch is all right there. Uh, it would suck to have that fourth line disassembled for too long. But uh, mm-hmm. yeah, um, get well, Luch. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, Luch. Hopefully, we'll see you back in there sooner rather than later. Did you get a chance to watch that uh, that Trent Frederick fight against Derek England yet? I didn't watch the whole thing. I just saw a quick clip on Twitter. But dude, they he he was ready to go off that face off. Came right out, dropped those gloves, and love it. I I want I want Trent Fred, Frederick playing with that kind of that kind of edge. That's when he's his best. Yeah, absolutely. You know, I I'm not a big fan of like the stage fights myself because it was the whole. Oh, you! Uh, they, I'm about to do the impression, but like, there was the uh, the behind the B coverage of it, and I guess Frederick was mic'd up, and they're lining up for the face off. Apparently, England challenged another player. I don't know who, but you got Frederick, and he's like, "Oh, you want to go with somebody? I'll fucking go with you. You want to draw like like Shorzy shit?" And he was like, "I'll go with you." And, and apparently, England uh, took him up on it. Yep. And uh, yeah, it was a good little tilt. Jersey got pulled over the head and everything, and uh, you know uh, Frederick was able to get him right in the button a couple times. So it was a good one, man. I uh, I love it when we don't have to have Milan Lucic fighting. Uh, it, yeah. It's a good thing. I like team toughness. Yeah, I mean, I the, big bad Bruins, you know the whole mantra and. I know the NHL is trying to get rid of a bunch of these fights in the, in the league. I, and I get the reason behind it, but like, it's a part of the game and I, you know, you love seeing it when it happens and there's a reason, as long as there's a reason behind it, it's not just some stupid couple goons going at it. If there's a reason behind it, I'm here for it. I love it. I love it. Well, in uh real Bruins news right now, <laughs> we are, uh, the Bruins just went down one, nothing. Um, uh, our good friend and former duck Kevin Shattenkirk forgot how to play defense there briefly. 
Tough uh, rebound too. Not that there was yeah, much he could do on it, but yeah, tough rebound. Yeah, can't give up those two on ones there. That was a bad pitch. So, um, anyway, hopefully they'll be able to score. We're in the third here. Um, have you been following NCAA hockey at all yet this year, Burish? Uh, very, very lightly. Um, I like to get into it more towards the midseason. Um, but I love watching Hockey East. Uh, I've been going to Hockey East games since I was a you know a very very young kid. So some big stuff going on this week. This weekend. What's your uh, What's your Hockey East team? I don't want to do a hedge here. I really don't want to do a hedge here. I'm I there's, there's three teams that I follow that I actually care about that I will you know root for you know at the end of the year and it's BU, Boston University. Uh, when I was growing up playing goalie, my goalie coach that actually coached me was the goalie coach for Boston University. So naturally, I followed the team. Uh, obviously, uh, University of New Hampshire, being a fellow New Hampshire citizen, love going to the wit, watching games there and uh, following the Wildcats. And then the last one is UMass Lowell, close to my house, uh, you know, where I live been going to games there forever both my parents went to university of massachusetts lowell so they were always going to games as a kid so some of my earliest memories of seeing hockey live were at umass lowell games back in the mid 90s parents took me there so those are my those are my three teams how about you um i would say you know obviously i'm a big university new hampshire guy simply because (laughs) i grew up in dover new hampshire which is right next to durham so when I was growing up playing hockey, I would go and watch, you know, D1, NCAA hockey right there all the time. I would go to probably like six or seven games a year. So, yeah, there we go. All yeah. tied up. Let's go. <laughs> Matty Potras first yes. NHL goal. There's Let's the go. live reaction right Let's here go. on the Two Pad Stack podcast. He, the kid, gets it, ties it up. 13 minutes, 13 and a half minutes left in the third period. Let's go. Um, all right. Sorry about that. Yeah, that's great. That's um, a great play. Great play. Great play right there from Geeky. Great pass. It was, it was basically copy paste from the uh, the Ducks goal there. The, mm-hmm. the shot off the rebound. Well, no, that was just a great pass. Holy shit. Yep. Yeah, beautiful center. Look at the passion. Love it. Love solidifying it. his right. role solidifying his role okay we can get back on tra- there we on track go now. yeah back on track yeah <laughs> big unh guy i actually played a few times at the wit um have you, did you have you ever played at the wit i have in college in college we used to we my club team used to play against the unh club team we'd go in there i think i played there twice maybe three times and we just got our butts what Oh, we yeah. were far they were far better than we were a much bigger school we were a very very small school we would go there it would be like an exhibition preseason like scrimmage kind of thing and just destroyed but yes playing on that rink is fun i, I actually played uh, a couple of men's league games believe it or not on that on that rink there when i lived up by up in dover so yeah yeah, um, yeah great rink love that arena I, I remember the first time I played it. I'm so used to like the standard NHL size rink. Um, and the wit, if you don't know, is international size. And uh, the first mm-hmm. time I played it, my angles were so fucking off, dude. Like mm-hmm. I would be on my post. I'd see, okay, pucks on the boards. I need to be here. No, there was like two inches of wide open net on one side of the net that I didn't expect to be there. Um, 
and I just got lit up when I played there. It was uh, you, you don't really expect those things to really impact the goaltender. You you'd expect it to all be kind of uh, you know transferable, and and you know you you just kind of adapt to your surroundings. But no, like it it really messed with me on that that uh, that ice surface. Did you did you notice a big difference in in your eyes when you were in net at at uh, on on international ice surfaces? Not so much because growing up in Salem, New Hampshire, the uh, the ice center there, I actually play men's league there. You know, when I play, they have an Olympic sized and international sized arena there. So I've played on it quite a bit and I play on it still now. And I'll just say this be thankful you're a goalie, especially as a you know, mid 30s, out of shape hockey player. Be thankful you're a goalie because. Those guys playing out have a lot more ice to skate when they're when they're playing. And <laughs> in terms of the angles, though, I mean, I I don't know if I found so much of a of a major difference with that. Um, just I, I maybe it's just because I'm used to playing it on the surface, and I was I adjusted to it when I was you know very very young goalie. But I I find it I find it very similar if not no different than playing on an NHS rink other than that there's more ice more space behind the net that you got to worry about and 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 all that so not not for me fair enough fair enough anyway so we'll we'll, we'll go back uh we're, we've kind of been all over the place since Manny Potter <laughs> got his goal um <laughs> yeah so uh yeah I'm a big uh big UNH fan I also have some uh affiliation a little bit with uvm okay uh i really have got some family from vermont and i really uh love burlington it's a lot of fun out there wonderful breweries by the way uh definitely check out some of those breweries um but yeah and i always love tim thomas and tim thomas Mm -hmm. was a and kevin miller uh uvm alums so um but yeah I, i've always found myself you know a cats fan i have a unh wildcats jersey uh not really great things to say about the college itself but uh <laughs> but yeah definitely on the ncaa side of things i i have always really enjoyed the unh wildcats and uh they seem awfully interesting to watch this year um i've been able to tune into a few of their games already they are two and one on the season and uh you know cats for the last if you're not aware the wildcats used to be you know pretty pretty well regarded in hockey east and mm-hmm. in the ncaa in general they've never won an ncaa title or even a hockey east title i don't think but they've always been a really strong and, and tough out um but uh for the last probably six or seven years ever since really dick humili left and when even he when left. he was with us um unh hasn't been doing anything they've been kind of a kind of a joke um but it's been great to see them start this year opening night they're up against the number one ranked boston university and unh pulls off the win there um nobody expected that to happen not even unh fans and uh what do they do what's up next for them Oh, let's do two games against the national defending champion Quinnipiac Bobcats. Um, so it wasn't going to get any easier for there for the Wildcats. And what do they do? They 
they are tied up with the Bobcats in the third period in the first game. And with about two minutes left, one of the craziest goals I've ever seen as a hockey fan myself. So I've got like 20 some odd years of watching hockey. One of the craziest goals I've ever seen in my life where the Bobcats forward, I don't remember his name. The puck gets shot wide, bounces off the glass, is midair. Another forward standing on the far post, moves his stick midair, backhands it out of the air and into the net while the UNH goaltender is on the post, the other post still. Like the craziest fucking goal, like wow. amazing skill, like high end stuff. But uh, one of the flukiest goals I've ever seen in my life uh, to put the Bobcats up uh, late in the game, and then they they proceed to score two empty net goals. And uh, did he just he just got his he second just got goal? A second goal, man. His second. Matty Potra strikes again. Holy smokes! He knew this we were recording tonight. Fucking stud. <laughs> Holy shit. That whole conversation uh, we just had solidified right there. He ain't going down. You're no going way. nowhere, buddy. Fuck yeah. <laughs> let's go. Love this kid. Um, fuck. What was I talking about? We're talking about uh, the goal uh, with Quinnipiac and UNH. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So UNH, they were arguably the better team the entire time. And then. You know, Quinnipiac has some high-end offensive skill, and they made it count. So, Cats are one and one of the season against two top five ranked teams. You know, it is what it is. You know, you're happy to be there at that point, but mm-hmm. it's kind of a little shitty too because you're like, oh man, like we could easily be up two nothing right now in our two and zero in our our record here, um, but they weren't. So, what do they do? They don't get down and out. They don't get upset or ang- angry or anything um because guess what you're up against quinnipiac one more time and next night very next night right back at the wit um and what do they do they managed to go up three to one in the first period uh skilled quinnipiac team fights back ties up before the end of the first period quinnipiac goes up four to three unh strikes on the power play to tie it up at four and then we go to overtime and uh, these pesky Wildcats, they uh, they managed to sink their claws into the Bobcats. Everyone knows mountain lions and Wildcats are better than Bobcats anyway. Let's oh, be absolutely. Honest. Not even close. Um, but yeah, Wildcats end up pulling it after a mad scramble out front uh, and score in overtime. I don't even think I know NCAA hockey rules for, uh, for overtime um, at this point. Because I remember for a while there, do they still have ties in NCAA? Birch? I, I think so. <clears throat> I'm not sure though. I couldn't tell you. I'm not 100 percent sure on that. Fair enough. Um, I mean, that was always my biggest gripe is that it would be like five minutes of five on five overtime, and then it would just be a tie. And it's like it's, it's not they would long just enough. Clog up the neutral zone, and it would be a tie 85 percent of the time. Uh, luckily, they adapted, and now it's three on three OT. But uh, yeah, UNH got it done, and the UNH is now two and one on top four ranked NCAA teams. And I think probably when the next poll comes out, I think maybe as a result of that, UNH might get some love, and they may even be ranked. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, 
number one and then knocking off the national champion, you uh, think that they got to be they They've definitely raised some eyebrows at the very least. And be exciting to see if, uh, you know, they can continue this, have some, some, some quality hockey back in the uh, Granite state. And it's really awesome too. If you don't know this and uh, you know, I know hashtag no free ads and everything, but if you have uh if you have ESPN plus, there's a lot of really good C, uh, really good NCAA college hockey uh, available to you right on the app. That's how I'm able to watch the Wildcats instead of dropping 15 bucks and driving 20 minutes. I just watch <laughs> it on ESPN plus on my couch. Um, but uh, but yeah, it's uh, it's been a very happy surprise because uh, just in case I didn't have enough Bruins hockey to watch, now I've got college hockey I should mm-hmm. pay attention to. Uh, and it's always good to watch uh, Nick Melanson's team lose. So. Absolutely. Absolutely. The way he goes on, on Twitter bragging about being from Quinnipiac, come on. It's always good to see that happen. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, we have yeah. a – go ahead. I was just gonna say you gotta you gotta get to the wit wit though you gotta love the student section the student section always shows up with the chants and everything they always show up and it's 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 great great entertainment aside from the game to to see those guys in the and girls in the stands down there at uh, at the wit they they, it, they get dude. going I love it nothing beats college hockey crowds let's be real skate 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 sit down bitch <laughs> yeah. I love that shit, dude. <laughs> and then some of the chants they have when they go on the PK and when they go on the power play. It's uh the cowbell, it, you get the cowbell going, right? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Um gotta love it. It'll be interesting to see how they continue. Hopefully, uh hopefully the cats can keep it going. Um, I actually am going in late February. My, uh, my cousin's a student at BU, so she can get access to free tickets. Awesome. I'm going to be going to a, uh, Providence college at BU game. So I'll be able to see Bruins prospect Phillips fed back goaltender. Nice. And, uh, forward prospect Riley Duran. Fantastic. Taking on the, uh, Taking on the Terriers, so I'm sure I'll be able to talk about that after I go to that game. Um, additionally, uh, by the t- next time we record, um, I will be back from my first trip to a regular season game awesome. at the Bruins. Um, I'm going to next Saturday night's tilt against, I think they're playing against the Rangers? Uh, or the Red Wings. Red Wings, I think, actually. Yes, Red Wings. Yeah. So that'll be a great test. Detroit's been incredibly strong Absolutely. so far this year. They ended up winning again today against the Calgary Flames. So uh, Dominated them. Be, yeah. I mean, even everybody's talking about that trio of Atlantic teams as, uh, you know, being ready to take that next step. You know, Detroit, Ottawa, and Buffalo – and Detroit's beaten both of those other two teams and made it look, I don't want to say easy, but they're looking like a, a real strong team this year. And it'll be a, a good challenge for uh, for the Bruins. A uh, good original six matchup. We'll see them back in those alternate jerseys, which will be fun to see. Um, 
They're gonna, yeah. the they gonna change the helmets to a lighter brown, please. <laughs> they probably please, for should. my color blindness. For my color blindness, please. <laughs> um, so I don't make a fool of myself on Twitter. <laughs> yeah, are those black? No, those are brown. Yep. Um another question from our wonderful listeners. Uh Swedish lady or Swedish sussy Seuss. Apologies, you'll have to let me know how to pronounce your name. Uh, asking if, uh, how about, I'm going to quote, how about once in a blue moon, guys like Forbort, Carlo, Grizz, and others get credit for change? I love Pasta and Marshan, but there's more than the two of them and Charlie on the team. So I, I want to start off with that question with saying, I don't think that we hear between Burge and I and the rest of uh you know, the two pad stack hosts that have been on. I don't think that we've been necessarily unfair to what I would refer to as role players on the team. Uh, in fact, I love, you know, those lunch pail type players. Um, and I've been probably unfair to Derek Orbort at times. Uh, I think he's probably at this point in his career a bottom pair defenseman. I think he's a penalty kill specialist. And uh, I think he, when he can play that style of game and play it reliably, I think he's worth having on the team. I don't think he's worth the contract salary that he has right now. No, I'll agree with that. I think he, you know, he's overpaid for the role that he fills on this team. I mean, looking at all the, all the role players, I mean, you're not going to get the flashy type you know, goals and assists and, and, and recognition that you're going to get from these types of players. And you can attribute that in any different way. I mean, you look, you look at a lot of the, a lot of the Bruins fan base, a stereotypical, like casual Bruins fan. Most of the time they don't know what the hell they're talking about. They're going on Twitter. They're spewing out, you know, this guy needs to go blah, blah, blah on Twitter. Felga, Felga told me this. It's not not even, well, yeah. Yes, they listen to the people that are on talk radio there to antagonize the fan base for their for their ratings, you know. I mean, they do that. That being said, Dagger has some good points about hockey. He knows hockey, so let's let's not throw his name under the bus here on the uh, Two Pet Stead podcast. Yes, I agree. A lot of the times what he says can be a, be out of left field. Yes, but he does at the end of the day know the sport. But it's just it's just it's the nature of this fan base. And I I've seen it, you know, I'm sure you've seen it, you know, we're old guys. We've seen it for a long period of time over the last Stop decade. Stop fucking so. calling me old. Well, I can call you old. Somebody's going to be old with me here. All right. I'm older than you. Someone's going to be old with yeah, me. Don't here, all drag right? me into this. Oh, I'm dragging you down with me on this. We've seen it. We've seen it. It's just, everything is just, it's always bitching and complaining, no matter how good or how bad it is. There's always something that this fan base enjoys complaining about. And yes, I agree that most of this is driven from what the average fan has access to in terms of their of their media on a daily basis, and that's those talk shows. And they're gonna find things that you know happen. Dude, three one man. We'll we'll stop that. We'll stop that real quick. Brad Marchand with the empty net goal, the captain. Let's and go. The Bruins are gonna sweep. The West Let's Coast. I was worried there when they went down one nothing. I'm not gonna lie. So was I. I mean, they, they, it seemed like they were getting outplayed, and I don't know. I mean, 
teams find ways to win. They're hot right now. It's a good way to be hot right now out of the gate. Let's hope it they can sustain it. But getting back, getting back to the question here, um, at the end of the day, don't don't go off what you're reading on Twitter when it comes to you know what these people are you know giving credit to because a lot of the people around there are shooting their mouths off, don't know what they're talking about, don't follow the team, don't don't can't give you any rational reasoning behind what they're saying. And all these role players have a specific job to do on the ice, and they do deserve the credit. They deserve as much credit as the guys that are flashy and putting the puck in the net. Yeah, and I, I, I 100% agree. And then the other thing that you need to consider is that those three players that you brought up as talking points, you know, let's also take into account the position that they play, right? They're defensemen. And you've probably, if you follow me on Twitter, you've already seen me yelling about Ian Mitchell on Twitter. This this kid is, it's not it. I don't like him. I don't think uh, he brings enough on the offensive side to pay off for some of the gaffes he makes. Um, but these these three that players that you referenced, Derek Forward, Brandon Carlo, Matt Grizzly, they're defensemen. If you're not hearing a lot about them, that's not necessarily a bad thing. I agree. It's a good thing because that means they're making the safe plays. They're making the right plays. When defensemen are out there, it's because they're A, and, and they're getting attention. It's because they're A, like Kel McCarr or, um, you know, uh, Eric Carlson. They're making a lot of ridiculous offensive plays. They're getting their name on the score sheet a lot, um, and and they're getting that offensive attention, you know, you know, uh, Adam Fox comes to mind as a player like that. Absolutely. Or B, they are getting walked like no tomorrow and they're making turnovers. Uh, They're getting a lot of negative attention and that will be a reason why the spotlight goes on them. You're not hearing about Forbort, Carlo and Grizz because they're just doing their job. They're suppressing the opposition. They are allowing the Bruins offensive players to do their jobs and uh, that's a good thing. That's what we want to hear. So uh, you're you're probably right. They probably don't get enough credit, and they probably don't get enough of the attention that they deserve. But uh, I have no qualms with those three players, and I think right now they're uh, they're all foundational members of that blue line for the Bruins. Absolutely, I think you hit the nail on the head with that. I I couldn't agree with you more when you say when you're a defenseman like that, you're either a a ridiculous offensive playmaker or B, you're getting absolutely destroyed. If your name is not being mentioned, you're doing exactly what you're out there to do. And to be honest with you, with regards to like like a Norris trophy, I think that the trophy and the, the voting on that has gone way too much towards an offensive, an offensive type defenseman. And the strong defensive defenseman, which is what ultimately a defenseman's job is, has kind of gone, you know, is a kind of a bit of a pastime. So couldn't agree with you more. If those guys are not getting called out, then you can't help but just be happy that they're doing what they're doing and they're 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 not being called out in a bad way. Yeah, definitely in agreement there. Um so before we wrap today's episode up here, let's talk a little bit of football, eh? Um Okay. Patriots get it done for the first time in quite a while now. And mm-hmm. uh, it was some doormat that they beat, wasn't it? Oh, no, yeah, it was a doormat. Those those lowly Buffalo Bills of Western New York. 
Patriots ended up getting the win. I don't even remember what the final score was, but they ended up getting the win in the last seconds of the game on a last second touchdown throw from Mac Jones to Mike Kosecki. I was very happy. I don't, I'm not one of those people that want the team to tank for a better draft pick. I want to watch a competitive football team every week, regardless of what that season looks like. And I couldn't, couldn't be happy that the Patriots kind of found their way against, against this team, a team that has dominated them over the last three or four years. They seem to look completely different going up against this Buffalo Bills team. And, you know, it's, it's, it, 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 it's, it's on the wing a bit of Bill Belichick getting, getting announced that or sources telling Ian Rappaport that Belichick got himself a nice multi-year contract extension before the uh, beginning of the season. So everybody that was crying to fire Bill, myself included in some irrational states of mind, aren't going to get their wish on it. The Patriots didn't didn't win this game without trying to lose it. We'll say that at the end of the game, Kendrick Bourne with oh a massive my fumble. God. I was like, they're going to lose this game now. This is like this is just like prototypical like twenty twenty three New England Patriots. They're going to you know, they're in the game. They have a chance to close it out. And they make a stupid play. Mac Jones finally had his like his moment by making that drive in the last two minutes to, to get that win. I mean. They had a little bit of help from a missed call. The NFL officiating this year has been absolutely brutal. And what about that Josh Allen call where he dude, snapped his head back? Emmy award off. winning. Emmy oh award winning. Oh, my God. Terrible. To quote one of my good friends. Emmy award winning. Absolutely brutal. And, you know, if you do happen to listen to to our podcast, The Break of the Plane with Primetime, it, we, we bash the officials on a regular basis, not just for the Patriots, but as, as the league as a whole, they've been extremely disappointing in big moments and they did it again today finally the patriots benefited from one of those and <laughs> very very happy to you know get that win and you know we'll see what happens next week that's, that's no expectations yeah i thought uh i thought my probable standout i thought that brandon schooler on the sp- mm-hmm. special teams had a great game mm-hmm. uh, he was able to after some nice punts uh really pin the uh pin the bills in their defensive zone and uh it, i i really liked his game i i don't really know i feel like the defense is is significantly worse than what it was last year um any thoughts on what that is and i and i don't think it's just because judon's out so well, what do you think's going on there Bert? i think there's a little bit of everything they, they still are really banged up especially at the corner position they got jack jones back today which was huge but they're down Christian Gonzalez. They were down Jonathan Jones early in the season. They're down Marcus Jones, who was one of their biggest playmakers from it's last season. Too many season. fucking Joneses, There's man. There's so many, dude. It's so many. And you got two M. Jones out there. So you can't even put M. Jones <laughs> on the back of the jersey. But they're down all these guys. And they got a couple. They got J.C. Jackson back in trade. And, you know, he's getting his groove back again, hopefully, in the system here. He finally was able to shut down Stefan Diggs in the last few matchups that they had against Buffalo when Jackson was here, he got absolutely torched. So that was a nice positive thing to see today. Uh, Judon, Judon's a big one because, you know, without him and uh, the, the rookie Keon white, they really don't have much of a pass rush. They were getting to, to, to Josh Allen today, but overall it's, it, it's, it's, it's gone down. And it, uh, a lot of it is injuries on the, on the, on the defensive side. I really do believe that they have the talent to be an elite defense if they're healthy, but if they're not healthy, they don't have the depth to cover it. Yeah, I thought I thought I saw some good things at a Barmore today mm-hmm. uh, as well. Um, and then the other thing I wanted to mention to you, and I just wanted to gauge your thoughts on, and we won't talk too much about Pat's stuff. I know not everybody comes here for Pat's content, mm-hmm. but 
It is going to be talked about. I'm a very casual Pats fan, and I like to talk to Berge about it. So get over it. If you don't like it, unsubscribe. Um, <laughs> I, I, I just am wondering about Duggar. I feel like Kyle Duggar has regressed a little bit this year. Mm-hmm. He hasn't been as strong, um, and he had that interception in his hands mm-hmm. in the end zone there that would have ended the game before it even needed to be. A, uh, a touchdown there for the Pats at the end of the game. So what, what are your thoughts on, on Duggar there? Do you think his game slipped a bit? I think he slipped a bit, but I do think he's still like an above average, you know, safety for this team, especially the role that they ask him to play that kind of that hybrid linebacker safety, strong safety role, but him and a bunch of the other players on this team, their tackling this year has not been good. They've been missing tackles left and right. They missed a few big ones today that resulted in points for Buffalo or first downs for Buffalo in critical moments. So I think it's not just him. I think that, yes, Duggar definitely has taken a step back. Obviously, I think the talent around him being injured plays a factor in that, given his his style of role that he's you know been being asked to do. But at the end of the day, I think he's still a critical piece to the defense. And I'd like to see them give him a contract extension sooner than later. Cause I still, I do believe that he's a piece that could be here for the long term in the future. Perfect. Perfect. All right, my friend, do you have any closing thoughts for episode 14 today? Maddie Patras, baby. Maddie Patras going to make the squad. That's what I'm all about right now. Watch, watching what we just watched in the Anaheim game here. I can't get over that, that that kid potted his first two NHL goals tonight. We, you know, we started off the episode kind of talking about the rookies and, you know, where he fits in. I think we kind of hit it on the head. And I think what he did tonight further took it a step forward and solidified his role to make this team pass the nine games. There's, there's absolutely no reason for them to send him down to the uh, to back to junior. So we can't we can't be playing that game, especially in a, in a game in, in a year where you're trying to figure out what you have for, you know, for the future this is a perfect opportunity he's playing playing lights out and want to see it continue going forward yeah you even have the uh the bruins twitter account calling coming out here and saying oh call it the maddie potter game there we go (laughs) you get your live reaction from us today during the game uh i really wanted to limit it but uh unfortunately you got my raw uh, (laughs) unadulterated uh reaction during Bruins games so and my delayed um, reaction for you yeah bird <laughs> shout out to birds for not reacting so i could get the uh the live experience because <laughs> his stream was five seconds ahead of mine um yeah so Bruins sweep the the west coast trip um they are going to be in chicago uh so yeah let's take a quick look at the week ahead for the bees um by the time you hear this they would have already played in chicago so Oh no! Is no, it? Nope. No, it'll be out on, on Tuesday morning, so they'll be playing Chicago Tuesday, that night. Tuesday night. Okay, yeah. So the Bruins will play Chicago. This new. Okay, hold on. Sidetrack. The new NHL app and the new NHL website sucks so much dick. Like it is so fucking bad. I can't tell what's going on. I will look at the scores at like 2 a.m. in the morning when my dog steps on my nuts and wakes me up, <laughs> and I want to see what the fuck happened while I was sleeping. And it'll show like what I looked at at like six. I have to like pull the fucking yeah. scores down to refresh it, and and then it still doesn't fucking help. I try pulling a game while it's happening, 
and the game center section of it's now garbage. Like, I understand that they lost their contract with ESPN for like web hosting and stuff, and the app is no longer the same. This new app that they have and the website that they have now, what a fucking dumpster. Like, what year is yeah. it? I mean, it's definitely, definitely some improvements that can be made. I, I do think that the you know you look at the box scores and you look at that stuff they had the right idea trying to like clean it up a little bit make make some of the boxes a little smaller but yeah the functionality is not there yet and they got to kind of get on that kind of quick here because it's not going to be a sustainable thing going forward yeah so anyways back to what i was trying to say before i was looking at this app and i had a stroke (laughs) um yeah, Tuesday is actually that fun uh, game uh, that ESPN is going to be hosting, like that uh, hockey version of Red Zone, because all 32 teams are going to be involved. There are 16 games on Tuesday. So keep an eye out for that if you like watching cool. hockey. Yeah, um, not just Bruins hockey. Uh, Bees are going to be playing Connor Bedard again, the Blackhawks, uh, on national TV, ESPN. So we get to watch ESPN ball watch Bedard. We get it out of the uh, way early though, in the uh, year. Even though our good friend uh, Matty Potter has just as many NHL goals uh, <laughs> as of right now. Uh, and then the Bruins will be back at it at home. The road trip is done on Thursday. And uh, our good friends that we just finished playing, the Anaheim Ducks, will be in town. And then finally, uh, Saturday, where I'll be in the building. Uh, the Red Wings will be visiting. And then uh, by the time we have another episode come out, uh, Bruins will be playing our good friends, the uh, Florida Panthers. So, yeah, good, so. good slate coming up. Good slate. At least we're getting the Connor Bernard stuff out of the way early in the season so we don't have to deal with it on national TV when we're playing. Getting it out of the way early. Ain't that the truth? And, and right now, as of right now, as of the time of the recording, uh, Bruins are sitting second in the NHL standings behind uh, – only the Vegas Golden Knights who were six oh no. So um I didn't expect, even though the, the schedule's been relatively friendly to the Bruins so far, I did not expect a five and start. I expected some sort of uh gaff here or there, but uh hey, we'll take that. Um mm-hmm. yeah, so that's it for me. Um we will certainly see all next week. Uh if, as always, if you want to check us out. Uh, Birch, plug your plug your football pod. How can you check out Breaking the Plane? So uh, we're on on X. We're at uh, BTP underscore podcast underscore. Yeah, I know it's a weird title, but that's what we got. We're on the X machine there, and uh, you can find us anywhere you get your podcasts. And uh, yeah, check us out. We love talking football there. And if you like football, hit it up. We'll be uh, you know touching on. Hockey, basketball throughout the seasons as well. We got a couple of basketball fans on the uh, on the pod. Gross. And big hockey fans too. So we'll, okay, we'll be hitting we'll be hitting on all of it. Believe me. Nice, nice. All right, Appreciate sweet. That. So yeah, check out Burge's other podcast. Um, I don't have enough time in my life to do another podcast. This is about <laughs> it for me. Um, but a uh, lot of fun stuff going on at prime time. Check us out. Uh, we've got uh, sports articles from all major sports here in North America being pumped out as well as our first college football article that was dropped today on the website. Um, Podcasts from all different areas. So a lot of exciting stuff going on. 
once again, uh, today's episode was brought to you by SeatGeek, uh, our partner over there. If you're looking to go catch a Bruins game or a Patriots game, a Celtics game mm-hmm. uh, with tip-off right around the corner, uh, check out SeatGeek. They'll be able to hook you up with tickets. And we here at the Two-Pad Stack can hook you up with $20 off your first purchase on that app. Once again, that code is 2 Pod. That is 2-P-A-D-S-T-A-C-K-P-O-D. And, uh, yeah, save yourself some money. So uh, we will see you all next week. And uh, thank you very much for tuning in to the Two-Pad Stack. And, uh, yeah, that's it for us. Peace. Have a, have a good week.